Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. So my name is Michael. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Pretty much all that you need to know about me is wrapped up in this picture right here. If our team wouldn't mind to throw this picture out, this is my beautiful family, my wife, Carmen, and my three boys, Ethan, Miles, Wild Miles, and Nolan, our little child, Carmen's mini-me with a mullet. Um, and, and so he's awesome. I love my babies. I love my wife, and uh, they are tremendous tremendous part of who I am, and I'm honored that I get to be here. If you're a guest in the house today, can we welcome all of our guests? Welcome all of our guests. So glad you're here. As well as the online families, thank you so much for joining us. You you could have been thousands of other places watching thousands of other things, but you chose to be at church today, and we're we're honored to have you. Um, So let's preach. Y'all want to preach today? We're going to have some church. Let Let me just tell you, I... Pastor Mitch and I come from the same background, and I preach a little better and a little quicker if you preach with me. So if we're trying to beat the Pentecostals to Papacitas, you know what we got to do. You know what I mean? All right, so we got to do this together. We're going to work together as a team. Who wants to be blessed? Who wants to be blessed? We want to live a blessed life. We want to live a blessed life. I want to tell you today that our purpose is attached to God's people, which means that it is selfless in nature. Your purpose is not for you. Your purpose is not about you. And I know that's tough to hear. Your purpose is about serving other people. Now, we live in a dark world that is very insular. And when we truly discover and we get that purpose is not about us and and God isn't here to serve me, but it's the other way around and I'm here to serve God, we start to see some illumination and some color come to our world. We start to see some life in our life. And, and this is how we live a blessed life. And uh, let me set up today like this. I don't normally like the words always and never, okay? I don't prefer to use those words, especially when it comes to my marriage. It feels, you know, that could create some crevices and some things. But I asked my wife a dangerous question the other day. Um, I asked her, I said, I want you to complete this statement. You are always blank. So I asked some of my friends, and some of my friends said, well, you are always golfing, all right? Okay, uh, you are always smiling. You're always doing... Well, I asked my wife, which was dangerous, and my wife said, you are always moving. You're always moving. You're always doing something. In fact, the more I thought about it, she's so right. Nobody knows you like your spouse knows you, right? Amen? Uh, nobody knows you like your spouse knows you. So, uh, in fact, uh, this, uh, this week, my wife and I were on a vacation, literally flew back this yesterday, Okay. Uh, and on this vacation, I could not stop moving. Even on a day that we had nothing planned, I just still wanted to do stuff. I'm playing golf one day. I want to go do this excursion. I want to go do this. Is anybody like me? Anybody like me? You don't even have to plan it. It could be just like, I just want to do something, right? I don't want to sit around and do nothing. Well, if somebody described your, your actions or your life with, you are always doing this, what would that be? What would that thing be? Like, he always does this, or she always does this. What would others say that you are always doing? They might say that you're always encouraging. You're always lifting others up. Or they might say, well, man, they are always griping. They always see the, the faults. They're always so critical. Or it might be the opposite. They, you know, 
they're always finding the good. They can reframe anything and always find the good. Maybe it's that you're always working or always working out, living in the gym. Obviously, that's what I do too. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, always, always working on my business, always, always sleeping, always, always late. Uh, you know, I, always worked with, I used to work with a guy that was always on his phone, always on his phone, right? Always on his phone. What would other people say that you are always doing? For fun this week, I Googled self-promotion. And I know people that are really good at self-promotion. They are good at what they do, but they are really good at promoting it. But then I also know some people that are, you know, really good at promoting themselves, but I still can't figure out what they do. Uh, you know, like the Kardashians and, you know, like the Houston Texans. I, 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 I don't know what they do. I'm, I'm kidding. If you're a Texans fan in the house, I'll pray for you. God bless you. Um, but here's what I've, some of what I found on Google, uh, the top of the list when it came to Google. And, and it says this, the art of self-promotion, top of the list, six ways to get your work discovered. Forbes had a, an article, self-promotion is a skill. And the third one actually got me, it tickled me. 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. <laughs> Bless that. Uh, there's an idea out there that self-promotion is a skill, and the better that you get at it, the more success you'll find. In fact, it's cultural right now. It's everywhere. It's created a toxic environment when it comes down to dreams and ambitions and purpose. We're starting to live these in a very insular way way rather than focusing on people that we can serve. What, you know, what is the most, the, the, this career aspiration, the most popular career aspiration of a teenager in 2023? Uh, well, there was a poll on it, and more than half of teens nowadays either want to be a TikTok or YouTube star. Uh, like, over half. Uh, like, they want to be a star. They, 54% want to be a celebrity. One way or another. They think, well, I've got to learn how to show people how great I am so people will notice me. That will bring me popularity, which will bring me fame, and that will bring me money, and life will be perfect. Well, it's all about getting discovered, and so people will see our greatness. Well, you know, Jesus' teaching is 100% opposed to that mindset, 100% opposite of what that is. It's counter to all of that. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to follow, your, follow the footsteps of a Savior willing to die for what he's called to do. Are you willing to die for what you're called to do? It's a message to kill our selfish nature and to follow Jesus. I know this is not a popular message, but it's still a true one. Jesus said that if you want to be great, do as much as you can to be famous. No, that's not what he said. Jesus said in, in Matthew 23 and 11, the greatest among you will be your servants. Will be your servant. If you are a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ, we are not called to live selfish lives. We are not called to live self-promoting lives, but instead he invites us to be selfless and to take on the nature of something that is so uncomfortable in the American culture, a servant. Called us to be something that we are incredibly uncomfortable being. In other words, serving is not what we do. Serving is who we are. It is in the DNA of who we are as Christians. 
if you declare yourself as a Christian, you declare yourself as a servant. And none of us are excluded from this. None of us are excluded. Serving is not what we do. I want you to say this with me. Say this. Say, I am a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I am serving Christ. So what are you always doing? If you were to answer that question, what would people say about you? Let me show you this verse. This is in the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It says, in Joppa, there was a di- disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. Um, she was always doing good and helping the poor. Uh, let, me, let me show this, give you a little context here. She was the first Greek female mentioned in the New Testament it was an interesting name, but I bet they had some fun with that name in middle school. Um, but her name means gazelle. It means gazelle. And we don't know much about her other than what she was always doing. What was the thing that she was always doing? She was always sewing clothes for the poor, always helping the poor, always, most of all, caring for the widows. In fact, when she died, God used Peter to raise her from the dead, that, sp- that sparked a huge revival in that area with many, many thousands coming to Christ. Her ministry was so important that she was brought back from the dead. But all we know about her is what she was always doing, which was helping the poor. She was always doing something, not that made her famous not that increased her popularity. She was always doing something for others and helping people outside of her own sphere. Instead of being self-promoting, she was being selfless. Instead of serving herself, she was serving others. Church, what does that say about us? What does that say to us at the end of the day when we get to the gates of heaven, when we hopefully we'll be told, well done, thy good and faithful servants. That's the goal. That's the end goal. There is no other goal. How do we become a faithful servant? Well, you might be saying, well, pastor, I'm not great at a lot. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't sew. Well, you can put me in that number. If you gave me a sewing machine, I would lose a digit. It would be over, right? Um, But you might be saying, well, pastor, what I have to offer is not important. I can't sing like them. I can't preach like them. I can't teach like them. I'm, I'm a nobody. Well, today I want to break it down incredibly simple for you. And, and I, I just want to share that wherever you are, whatever you have to offer is important. Wherever you are, whatever you have to offer, it is important. And you can use that to be a servant of the, the most high God. And inside of that, You'll find fulfillment and blessing and favor from heaven. And it's better than anything you'll find in this world. Better than anything you'll find. I want to give you three simple images of a servant that we can all identify with. The first one is this. Bring a lunch. It's to bring a lunch. Number two is to offer a ride. And then number three, to carry a towel. So how do we become a faithful servant The first was to bring a lunch, to bring a lunch. King David, let's talk about King David for a moment. He was a war hero, right? He was a war hero. He he rose to fame, obviously, when he killed Goliath. He was looked up to so much that when he was coming home from war, women would actually line the city streets and, and would sing songs to David. Like, 
he's our hero and we're so glad you're home. And it's kind of like what your spouse does when you arrive home from work, you know? Um, It's just me? All right, no. Um, But he was known as a man after God's own heart. And and was he perfect? No, not at all. But, uh, But why was David so great? Why was David known as a man after God's own heart? Most think people, most people think that David was great because he won the battle, but I think David was great because he brought a lunch. He, he brought a lunch. If you look everywhere in scripture to search the greatness of David, you'll find many times where he was selfless, and that selflessness brought him favor. That selflessness created favor, whether it was playing the harp for Saul or being willing to serve his, his enemy's son and and befriend him, or, or, or we see that many times David turned away from what was comfortable. To, he turned away from what was convenient to his calling. And so what do I mean by the lunch? So David is one of eight of Jesse's sons, and the oldest sons were preparing for war against the Philistines. And, and uh, we find this in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 17. It says this in verse 17. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and then these 10 loaves of bread, carry them quickly to your brothers, see how your brothers are getting along, and, and bring back a report on how they're doing. Hey, David, I know you got big dreams and ambitions, and I know you, you want to fight in the battle, and you want to be a part of this thing, but the first step to anything in your life is to bring a lunch. The first step to anything in your life, if you want to win a battle, you've got to carry a basket. You know, David was a door dasher before he was a king. He was a door dasher before he was king, but too many of us want a crown and a crowd before we're willing to deliver a basket, especially a basket that we don't get to eat out of. How many of you are willing to serve with something that you don't get to get credit for? How many of you are willing to serve in something that you aren't, you don't get the blessing from, that you get to serve some food that you don't get to eat of? I'll tell you the reason that David was known as a man after God's own heart. It was because he was willing to serve with a basket that he wasn't going to eat of. He was willing to serve with a talent that he didn't receive the blessing of. He didn't want to be great. He wanted to start with something insignificant. He started with something out of the spotlight. He just brought a lunch. He was others focused. Church, what you're currently doing, you may feel like it's not important. You feel like it's not, it's so far behind the scenes and nobody sees it. You've got to realize that promotion is God's job. Obedience is your job. You feel like nobody sees you, but can I tell you, the only one that matters sees you. Keep serving, keep loving, keep hosting. But what if, what if David said, nah, man. I'm ready to go fight the battle right now. I'm big enough. I got this. If they can do it, I can do it. You know what would have happened? I felt like David, David would have lost that battle. Because anytime you do something out of pride, you'll fall on your face. But if you do something out of servanthood, you'll receive an anointing and a favor that comes from heaven that you can't describe and you can't replace and nobody can top it. Nobody can change it. Nobody can stop it favor from heaven. The second thing you can do is offer a ride. You can bring a lunch, but you can offer a ride. See, this key, this key is to my truck, and you can go a long way with the truck. In fact, this week, I had a close call. I was in Mexico, 
and I went to go, I was about to leave in an Uber for my flight, and this key right here was sitting in my hotel room. Yeah, right? This key was sitting in my hotel room, and I told my Uber, hang on, I got to go get my key, because if not, I would have not gotten very far in my truck without this key. You can offer a ride. See, there's an Old Testament prophecy about 553 years before the event occurred. The prophet Zechariah declared that the king would ride into Jerusalem humbly on a donkey. This would be shocking for people because this is not what they expected. This is not what they thought would happen, right? It would be, they, they wanted a, a white horse, the servants, the robe, the crown. And in our culture, it would be like our king cruising in, like we would expect him like a stretch limo with paparazzi, everybody, a crowd around, but instead showing up on one of them little lime scooters from downtown. Ding, 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 ding. You know what I'm saying? That's what, that's the same equivalent of what he would have expected here. So Jesus tells his disciples to go get a donkey and tell them that the Lord needs it. And, you know, I can imagine the disciples were like, listen, Jesus, can you just tell us to do something normal for once? Like one time, Jesus, can you give us like a normal task? You just telling us, go take this dude's donkey and tell him the Lord, like, I mean, a <laughs> good thing that wasn't in Texas, amen, right? Because they would have shot first to ask questions later. Um, <laughs> Luke 19, 31, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. How can you, how can I, how can we be a faithful servant? We can offer someone a ride. This is, this is what the businessman in the New Testament did here. They went to go get that donkey. We don't know that businessman's name, but we do know. We, we don't know what he lived for living we don't know if he had one donkey, three donkeys, or a thousand donkeys. We don't really know. Um, but the disciples went and they asked for that donkey. And, and they asked for the one that had never been ridden. The donkey that had never been ridden. Here's what the businessman did not do. The businessman didn't go, man, well, that donkey's unridden. You want me to give you that for free? Man, I, I, that's going to cost extra, bro. I, I can't do that. I, I can't. Like, this isn't Eeyore. This is like a, a luxury donkey, right? This is a luxury donkey, like no miles, like the <laughs> uh, highest end hooves on it, right? Okay, you can't, you can't get that. He did, the businessman didn't do that. The businessman didn't offer it like that. He said, if it's going to make a difference in the kingdom, then this is my gift. This is my gift. And he made a way for Jesus' triumphal entry. The ride, church, the ride that you could offer could make way for God's work in their life. The ride that you could offer could make way for God to work in people's lives. The literal ride that you could offer, bring somebody to church with you for at the movies in a couple weeks. The literal ride that you could offer, but also rides like the conversation that you could have that could carry someone to the gospel. You know, the only time people don't, they don't have to just accept Jesus at church. Come on now. They can come to, come to Jesus at your workplace. But it starts with a ride through a conversation. That, that ride of inspiration that you give, that, that ride of that discipleship that you're building in someone else, else's life, that, that ride in believing in others 
When everyone else is tearing them down, you're speaking life into them. You're, you're creating, you're offering a ride here, bringing a ride by simply being a part of a team. By jumping on a team. Hey, I see them, they can do, I'm going to do it with them. And all of a sudden, you've become an inspiration for someone else to activate their purpose and their calling. You're offering a ride. You can bring a lunch. You can offer a ride. You can be a part of all of this. But then you can, you can also carry a towel. You know, this is one of the most powerful pictures in the New Testament. And um, you can only imagine the, the looks that I got when I carried this towel out of the hotel this morning. Um, so I'll, I'll bring it back if you're watching online. I'll bring it back. It's one of the most powerful pictures in the New Testament. It's just before the Passover. It's Thursday night. We all know that night is there's the secret meeting in the upper room. And Jesus knew that he was about to give his life. And this argument spins up. Who is the goat? Who's the goat among us? Right? Who's the greatest of all time? We all know that's Kobe. But, I mean, that's okay. All right, nobody? All right, that's cool. The two, that's all right. Um, <laughs> But you can imagine the conversation that was going on, right? Imagine the conversation. Who's the goat? John, the one whom Jesus loved, was saying, well, it's obviously me. Jesus loves me. And Peter's like, well, I mean, I walked on water. What'd y'all do? Okay? I mean, Bartholomew's like, yeah, I'm the greatest. The rest of the disciples were like, dude, we didn't even know you were here. We didn't even know you were a disciple. Like, I... Who are you? Like, uh, Jesus looks around, though, in this conversation of greatness. And who's going to be the greatest? How is this going to work out? And Jesus looks around, and he sees proud hearts and dirty feet. Proud hearts and dirty feet. So it leads to John chapter 13. And so Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Can I tell you today that that would have been, in modern times, it would have been the most scandalous thing that he could have done. The most scandalous act of servanthood possible. It's like a common courtesy nowadays, right? Like, may I take your coat? Can I get you a drink? Well, then it was like, would you like your feet washed when you come into the house? Would you like your feet washed? Jesus, knowing that he was seeing pride inside of hearts and he was seeing dirty feet around in a conversation of greatness, he decided to take on the role of a servant, to tie a towel around his waist, to put water in a basin and begin washing feet. He accepted the call of a servant and lived out the low and humiliating task. Jesus saw these selfish hearts, these dirty feet. He stopped what he was doing. He got up, he grabbed a towel, and he washed their feet. Who was this Jesus? This Jesus, the Son of God, the living water, the Lamb of God, the true vine, the bread of life, the light of the world, the living stone, the king of glory, the prince of peace, our great high priest, the righteous judge, the chosen one, the king of kings, the lord of lords, our alpha and the omega, our redeemer, our rock, our sanctification, our righteousness. 
kneels before pride, carried a towel, and washed some dirty, prideful feet. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. I love that in that moment, Jesus had every right to condemn their pride, but he didn't. He just showed them something better. We ever have every right to condemn the pride in our world, to condemn the culture of all of that. But what if, instead of condemning and canceling everything and finding out a way to go against it, what if we just decided we were going to take a towel and wash some people's feet? What if we decided that we were just going to find a way to serve the best way we can? We're going to find a way to wash some people's feet. What that tells me is I can't sit on the sidelines and just attend church and be a consumer in church. I've got to be a disciple and I've got to get involved and I've got to find a team and I've got to find a people and I've got to find a group and I've got to be a part of this thing because this is what my Jesus did. If my Jesus would grab a towel, who am I to say that I'm too busy? Pastor Brandy, I'm never going to get invited back again. They don't like it. Hey, if my Jesus would touch some dirty, smelly feet, who am I to say I'm too big to serve in kids' ministry? Oh, I want, we all raised our hands and said, I want a blessed life. But what if that blessed life begins with you activating what God already gave you? He gave you a towel. What are you doing with the towel? He gave you a lunch. What are you doing with the lunch? He gave you an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. What are you doing with your ride? What are you doing with that? You can bring a lunch. You can offer a ride. You can carry a towel. Church, when you serve others, you're not just serving them. You are serving Jesus, your King of kings, your Lord of lords. How does this make sense? Matthew 25, at the end of time, the word says that he's going to take all the people and he's going to separate them into the sheep and the sheep and the goats the sheep and the goats the question is who do we want to be he said I'll, I'll say to the goats and I'm sorry we didn't know each other I'll say to the ones that thought they were the greatest of all time sorry we didn't know each other and I'll say to the sheep welcome to the kingdom that I've prepared for He'll say thank you because when he was thirsty, you gave him drink. When he was naked, you clothed him. When he was hungry, you fed him. When he was lonely, you visited. What you did to the least of these brothers, you did to me. When you provided food for those in the community, for the less fortunate, but then also for those in Africa, you did it unto him. When you welcomed someone out the door at church that felt like they would never be welcomed in a church, you did that for Jesus. And it was impactful. 
when you served the little children and, and you taught them about the hope of Jesus, you didn't just do it with, to a little four-year-old had little boogers hanging out of his nose. Huh? Little snot-nosed kids. I can say that because I have a four-year-old, right? I always got snot. You didn't just do it for the four-year-old. You did that to Jesus. When you lead a group that shows people that you can be authentic and you can be real, And you can walk through life's challenges and life's journeys and show your weakness because there really is strength in that. You're not just doing it for them, you're doing it for him. Church, how do you live the blessed life? How do you live the blessed life out? It's by living a life that is less about you, less about you becoming famous, less about the things that you get out of this. It's about living a life that honors God and honors the purpose and the calling that he's given your life. You gotta remember your purpose and your calling is not about you. It's about him. See, it's the little things that matter when no one else is looking. Pastor, I'm not good enough. I don't feel like I have anything to offer. What I'm trying to tell you today is whatever you have to offer is good enough. Whatever you have to offer, that is what you're supposed to offer. Church, it doesn't matter if if that means for you that, man, listen, I, I've been coming to this church for a while and I've decided this is going to be my home and my family's getting rooted and my kids are in student ministry and kids ministry and man, this is, this is my time. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to make City Hills my church. I'm going to jump on a team. It's more than just the team needs you. It's that you need the team. Jumping on the the production team where thousands of people are able to see the gospel weekly because of your serve. Jumping on the kids team where kids are being shown the gospel in a real living way, in a way that they can live it out in in their schools, live it out in their extracurricular activities. I don't know about you, but as I'm now a parent of three boys in various age ranges, I've never been more thankful for kids' ministry than I am today. I've never been more thankful for kids' ministry because my boy brings his Bible to school because a kids' ministry teacher taught him to do that. I know you're thinking, man, you're a pastor. You're supposed to tell him. I know. But it's somebody saying yes to a calling what are you always doing church whatever you're always doing that will lead to your future are you always thinking about what's next for you or are you always anticipating how you can serve those around you how you can serve those around you will you hold a baby because their mom might experience salvation today will you greet a guest because they might have contemplated suicide this week Will you open your home for a group, creating a community of people? Will you welcome the stranger? Will you love the unlovable? Will you read to a child? Will you cook dinner? Will you give your coat? Will you jump on the dream team? Will you bring a lunch? Will you offer a ride? Will you carry a towel? So we can hear that well done, my good and faithful servant. Not influencer. CEO 
Matthew 23 and 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. Would you stand with me across the room today? You know, I want to close just by giving you an example of what servanthood looks like. And it looks like when I was 11 years old, I didn't grow up in this. So I didn't grow up in church. In fact, um, my dad was in the military. Um, I'm not a pastor's kid. I was raised by a single father. And we, growing up, we went to a Protestant service on base that they would hit you with a ruler if you moved in church. True story. Like, wow, they'd get you with a ruler if you moved in church. And then when I was 11, I went to a Pentecostal church that they would move, they would hit you with a ruler if you didn't move in church. You know what I'm saying? Wow, wow. No, but when I was when I was 11 years old, I got an invite to church, and it's like, man, I'm telling you, this church is a little different. You need to come. You need to be a part of this. I was like, man, I don't really have a right. It's like, no problem. We got a bus ministry, and there was this bus ministry who was driven by the youth pastor. His name was Brother Colin. And I'll never forget this guy because he's the only guy that I'm taller than in my entire life. And uh, Colin, and he picked me up. And literally from that day, I went to that Christmas service and I had a life-changing moment with Jesus. It changed my life, church. But that never could have happened if it wasn't for Colin Webb's yes. But let me tell you about Colin Webb. He was a youth pastor, but he didn't, he wasn't full-time at the church. He was a banker, and not just any banker, but a banker for one of the, the, the largest banks in Bossier City, Louisiana. He really didn't have time to drive the bus, but he said, this is what I'm called to do, and I'm going to make time to drive the bus. I'm only here because someone said, I'm going to be a servant, and I'll drive the bus. I'll offer a ride. When I... I I will create capacity to do what God has called me to do because I'm going to receive favor and blessing and I'm also going to see an impact that is made beyond me. Literally thousands of people have been led to the Lord, not because of me, but because Brother Collins, yes. 30 years ago almost is yes. Can I challenge you today? Who's waiting on your yes? What impact is waiting on your yes? What team is waiting on your yes? I want to challenge you to contemplate that and jump in. Because I can tell you, a church activated with the gospel and a calling from heaven is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. You want to make a bigger imprint on the city than you've ever made? Jump in. Let's go. Jump in. City Hills isn't done. City Hills is just getting started. City Hills is just getting started. In a sign of surrender right now, I want you to throw your hands up in the air. I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray over your glorious church. I thank you that your gospel illustrates a servanthood spirit, that you've shown us the way. You've shown us the way that we're supposed to do it. God, I pray that you would help us. Give us that confidence to live that out. God, I pray that you would speak to somebody's heart right now, that they would say yes to what you're telling them to do, that they would jump into it. 
God, I pray for the broken heart in this house that has come in today just hoping to hear a little, little something that they have purpose to their life. They, that you, you have a purpose, you, that you made them on purpose, for a purpose. God, I pray that you would give them that confidence in their heart. God, that you would give them hope again, that their life is worth living. To the person that has had suicidal thoughts this week, God, I pray that you would give them hope. I pray that you would give them a joy that comes only from you. Today, if you're in this house and you've come looking for a little hope, let me tell you that it begins by giving your life to Jesus. I want to help you in that. It begins by praying a prayer of repentance and just giving your life to him. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent for my sin. I turn away from my yesterdays, my wicked ways. I look towards your face. Thank you for dying on a cross and rising three days later so I could have hope, forgiveness, freedom, salvation, and purpose. I believe in you. I give my heart to you. I live my life for you. Today is a fresh start. It is your will and your way forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to him right now. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.